You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about this and that. Hello, podcast listeners. Thanks for checking in with us at This and That with David and Brenda. You are listening to us podcasting from Podcast Land Studio. This is episode 35 of This and That Podcast, the free eclectic podcast that we like to say we talk about everything that's anything. By now, you should recognize our voices. You are listening to Brenda, better known as Miss Brenbren. And this is David, a.k.a. Dr. David, a.k.a. The Professor. And today, like just about every day, was another beautiful day outside Podcast Land Studio. Today being November 16th, 2019. Wasn't it kind of nippy outside? Not really, compared to how it's been. (laughs) No, it's still below average. Yeah, it was... Kind of like in the 40s, I think. Yeah, which, but compared to we've been in the 20s with teens and single digits, I mean... This and was... we had snow on the ground earlier in the week. Right, yes. And today was nice and sunny. Sunny-ish. Sunny-ish. <laughs> I don't think weather forecasters, meteorologists, use the term sunny-ish, but okay. Well, maybe they should. Well, you bring that up with our local meteorologists. Suggest to them that sunny-ish is now a weather forecast term. Sunny, sunny-ish, snowy-ish, dreary-ish. Okay. On that (laughs) note, again, another beautiful day outside Podcast Land Studio. And hopefully it was a beautiful day in your neck of the woods. Oh, yeah, Al Roker now? Yeah. Okay. Well, I could have said in your neighborhood. I don't think that's what he says. No, that's Mr. Rogers. But he doesn't have anything to do with the weather. I I know, but he used the term in your neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day for my neighbor. Won't you be mine? I never watched Mr. The only time I watched Mr. Rogers was in college. And we would watch Mr. Rogers and just... Crack up. We couldn't watch more than five minutes. I think the longest we watched was maybe seven or eight minutes. We were just gasping for air because it was just so hysterically funny. Well. To us at the time. You know there's a movie coming out about that. Well, yeah, with Tom, with Hanks, Tom Hanks. And, you know, it's one of those things. Is Tom, is it's, it's the kind of Mr. Rogers movie, but Tom Hanks is really supporting actors. Not because there's other, I don't know, the actor... But it's really about kind of the the show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and everything else. Isn't that um? Oh, what's his name? Used to be married to the woman that carried the vial of blood necklace, Angelina Jolie. You're talking about. You're talking about. Um, I know who you're talking about. Um, Built uh, all the houses down in New Orleans after Katrina. No, no, no. She didn't have Brad Pitt's blood. No, it wasn't his blood, but I was just saying, yeah, but isn't Brad Pitt in that movie? No, he's not in Mr. Rogers. I thought he was. He's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
That's not where they're getting Oscar buzz. The movie about the Sharon Tate murders and and um, oh yeah yeah and yeah, you know yeah. Charles Manson. Okay, well I'm stuff. I'm getting my movie credits mixed up. Which, by the way, folks, is 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 longtime listeners of the podcast know. Uh, Brenda and I like to point out how, you know, much to our surprise when we got here, we learned very rapidly that, believe it or not, Cincinnati is the center of the universe in a lot of ways. And one of those, with six degrees of separation and all that, and one of those things is talking about um, Charles Manson. Charles Manson is from this area, originally. You didn't have to bring that up. Just bring it up. Okay, well. It's just one of those crazy things. Yeah, it's one of those crazy six degrees of separation. Well, <laughs> let's go from <laughs> let's go from talking about movie buzz to giving shout outs to some of our listeners. That's fine with me. Thank you to everybody who is listening and a special shout out to these locations here in the U.S., Cincinnati, Ohio. Also, let's keep it in Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. If we go outside of Ohio, St. Louis, Missouri. And then Rivalry City, Kansas City, Missouri. Now let's give some of our international locations a shout out. Shout out to all of our international listeners, including those in Lima, Peru. Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Buenos Aires, Argentina. And Bogota, Colombia. And we could not uh, carry on our podcast if it weren't for all of you who keep coming back to listen to what we have to talk about. Whether you are a loyal listener, first-time listener, or somewhere in between, thank you, thank you, thank you. Special shout out to those members of the U.S. military, all five branches, their dependents, civilian support groups, and the like. And when we do our shout out to the military, that is to the men, women, and the canines who are a part of our U.S. military units. We also want to give a shout out to the first responders here at home, police, fire, 911 services, uh, EMS, etc. So did we mention our podcast is free? It is free. It's always been free and it is still free. Also, it's available wherever folks listen to podcasts. So that's several podcast apps and streaming services, on-demand locations and the like, including our home base of SoundCloud. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, TuneIn, plus a whole myriad of other sites. Available on all Alexa voice-assisted devices. And because we are on demand, you choose the time, the place, location, wherever, and just kick back and listen to what we are talking about. And today... When I look at our crystal ball, I think we're going to be talking about politics, right? Yes, it is uh, one of our politics editions. Probably going to be the last politics edition of 2019, uh, unless there's some huge breaking news kind of development that comes up. And what are we going to talk about in the world of politics? 
we will be talking about uh, the recently elections here in the U.S., so uh, key 2019 election results. We're going to talk about those, especially uh, the ones that could have potential national implications, show trends, so on. Also, give an update on the 2020 Democratic primary field. So we'll be talking about that. Now, you know, because we are talking politics, there may be some folks out there who might want to drop us a comment or two, ask some questions, may want to get in touch with us. So how would they reach us? Well, they can reach us through our email address uh, for the show, and that is thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N as in Nancy, that, all nine characters together, at sign aboutgreatercincinnati.com. Folks can also, via the various uh, podcasts, apps, distribution points, and the like, drop us a comment about uh, particular episodes or the entire podcast series in general as well. So that's another way they can send us comments. And through our email address, people can sign up for our email distribution list as well as send us uh, ask questions, suggestions, and so on. And if you want to sign up for our email distribution list so that you can get the um, inside scoop on the new editions as they're coming out, you can just send something to this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com stating you want to be added to the list and it will happen. We just love to hear from our listeners, so keep the emails coming, everybody, and um, and if we can get back to you, we will, and if we can't, don't think we're not reading your emails because we are. So, David, are you ready to get podcasting underway for episode 35 of This and That? Yes. Then let's go. You are now listening to This and That with David and Brenda. Election Day 2019 has come and gone, and uh, Brenda and I are going to discuss some of the um, results in elections that had uh, huge national interest. Now, that's Election Day here in the U.S. Yes. Now, the past election was not a presidential election. So the voter turnout was probably not as big as people would have liked for it to be. It, it depends. I mean, because again, today, uh, November 16th, is actually election day in Louisiana. They do things a little bit different there. And it's the gubernatorial race, and it's huge turnout. So I understand what you're saying, but it depends state by state, municipality by municipality, and so on, what the turnout is. So I don't know, haven't looked into that, and there's really no one national source. You would think there would be some national source that would say, gee, here's what stats are for voting, whatever. But the government doesn't do it because the government wants to not be looking like they're pushing things one way or the other, so they, they kind of are standoffish. And also, constitutionally, the federal government really has zero to do with the elections. Well, it is a function of the states, and the states 
set that up so that it's county by county and so on. Well, guess what? I like to push the fact that if you are of voting age, you should vote. Whether it's a presidential election, an in-between election, it doesn't matter. You need to vote. I, I agree with that because, um, for better or ill, the various levels of government have a lot of influence over our lives in ways good and bad, big and small. And it, one can argue that a lot of the local elections have much more impact in, in a lot of ways than voting for your representative or senator and so forth. Well, if you voted in the, your 2019 elections this November, then great. I am so pleased that you did that. If you didn't vote, you may want to go check with your Board of Elections to make sure your name is still on the voting rolls. Because if it isn't, you're going to have to get yourself at it back because you know locations are doing the voter poll purging routine right now. Correct. And, and this is one of these, everything's so political now. A lot of places were doing these purges anyway. Um, there was legislation passed in states controlled, you know, top to bottom by Republicans that made these purges uh, more widespread, I would say, in a lot of, in a lot of ways. But, but it's not like voter purging of rolls didn't happen. There were certain states where they never happened, but in a lot of places they were happening, but people were unaware of it. And thanks to now this kind of over-politicization of stuff, it, most people, I think, understand that they could be thrown off the voter rolls if they don't vote um, frequently, and that's going to depend state by state. Right, it depends state by state. So again, if you did not vote in the past election this year uh, on November 5th, 2019, check with your local board of elections to make sure your name is still on the roll. So, let's now talk... Now all these PSAs out the way, can I talk, and talk now politics now? all the PSAs now? out the way, let's get into... <laughs> some of the um, results from some big races that happened on November 5th. And let's start with Kentucky. Yes, Kentucky was um, uh, uh, touted as a big bellwether uh, for a potential 2020 matchup between President Trump and whatever Democrat uh, is going to be the nominee against him. And that's because... Uh, the Republican governor, Matt Bevin, tied himself uh, to Trump more so than any other Republican and also um, was very obnoxious and people hated him. Let's just put it out there that way because we don't have a whole lot of time because of the PSAs. So he was guess. very unpopular. He didn't win. No, he, he, he didn't win. And um, Trump came down like literally the day before the election and had to try the rally Republicans and said, you know, vote for him because if, if he loses, the media is going to say that this is you know, like my worst defeat ever and so on. So don't let that happen, blah, blah, blah. But he lost. And I, there was actually three people. There's Matt Bevin, uh, obviously the governor. 
Andy Bashir, um, Democrat, and he his the Democrat opponent, and I say that because there were three people in this race, and Andy Bashir was the, or I guess still is at, at the moment because they haven't switched over, Attorney General of the state. And he's also a second generation, at least second generation politician. His, his um, father was a governor and then not, not too recent past was a, a very popular governor. So he had that going for him. And then there was an independent in the race. And the independent drew um, several tens of thousands of votes, actually. And um, Matt Bevan, I believe, lost by, um, was it 30,000 votes? Something oh, like that. I don't remember. Number. All I know is he lost, and I don't know if he con has conceded mm, yet. No, they haven't conceded. They just did, they were doing the canvassing, uh, re-canvassing, whatever, to look at all the receipts and everything this past Thursday. I've not heard the results of that. And um, after that re-canvassing, don't know if he's going to concede or not and may do something else. Now, just about every Republican in the state is trying to get him to get out because, again, he is, you know, despised and they don't want to be sullied by him because as much as the media touted, oh, you know, Geez, unpopular, obnoxious person. Gee, maybe, you know, this is a big warning sign to Trump and we can take Trump. Num again, there was a third party person in the race, and I'm not saying all the votes that person got would have gone to Matt Bevan, but that's something to keep in mind. Number one. Um, number two, Andy Bashir won by um, a little over 1% of the vote even with all that unpopularity, because Kentucky is a very Republican state. And number three, the, that kind of segues into my point, if you look at all the other statewide races, the Republicans won running away, every other statewide race, including the, to me, the most interesting race that was going on was the attorney general race. And that had um, Daniel Cameron, who, um, I forget what statewide, um, position he was in, but he's a protege, hand-picked kind of protege of Mitch McConnell, um, African-American. He's now the first African-American uh, attorney general in Kentucky history, and he's also a Republican as well. And he, the, he's kind of one of these folks that they're grooming for bigger and better things, like becoming governor and, you know, maybe stepping in when Mitch McConnell decides to hang it up or, or something else to get tired of Rand Paul. I don't know. But they, they've got big, big plans for, for uh, young Mr. Cameron. Well, that's going to be interesting very conservative, Very conservative Republican. I mean, very pro I mean, you look at, orth and when I say that, I'm talking orthodox Republicanism, not Tea Party, not Trumpism, whatever, but orthodox, think Mitch McConnell. So... You know, Second Amendment, right to life, all that stuff. Check the boxes. He is, you know, solidly in those camps, unwavering. So that's just, to me, that was the most interesting race. And he was running against, um, his opponent's name was Stumbo. And um, I, I hate to do this, but how, you know. How can you lose to somebody named Stumbo? Exactly. So you knew he wasn't going to lose because it's like, how many people don't know? And this is a real thing. They're going to walk into these booths. And, and studies have shown that where names are on ballots make a difference and what the names are. So you have somebody named Cameron that's going to be ahead on the ballot anyway, and then somebody named Stumbo. 
and there's no incumbent in the race because again Andy Bashir is attorney general and he was running for governor. So But but then that people makes aren't gonna vote for Stumbo. I know that. It's but that makes me also wonder how many people voted for Daniel Cameron because they thought of him as the movie director. Oh, James Cameron? It's Kentucky. Sorry, people in Kentucky. How many people in Kentucky even would think that way? I don't think so. No. Well, no. they I might have thought there was a relationship it. there. I don't but. see it. No. Okay. And um, <laughs> getting out of Kentucky, the only other interesting thing that happened in Kentucky is a continuation of the Republicans' problem um, in the suburbs with, um, with educated, with college-educated white female voters um, of any age, really. They, they, they have an issue with them, um, but once you got past Matt Bevan, it was less of an issue, and that's something people really need to look at as well. If, if, you're, if you're trying to extrapolate to, to um, 2020 races, uh, Trump, Mitch McConnell himself, he's up for election and everything else. I, right now, I don't see how they're going to get rid of Mitch McConnell quite honestly, because of what happened in Kentucky. All right, well, we'll see. Yeah. Now, that takes us on to what happened in Virginia. Yes, Virginia has been trending Democratic for uh, well over a decade now. Uh, essentially, the northern suburbs have been turned to um, um, Democratic uh, last decade, because they're pretty much all all your workers from the D.C. area, D.C. metro area, um, and mass live in those suburbs and work in those suburbs, one way or the other. So they're they're either uh, their lives, their jobs, etc., extend around the federal government. So they are not going to have the same kind of feelings downstate. Or in the South in general that, you know, the federal government needs to be put in a box, made as small as possible, and everything else. They're just not going to feel that way. So that, that's the, the Democrats in Virginia have been capitalizing on that by not going, you know, full tilt progressive, but saying, here's how you can have... It, it goes back to, if you're old enough, to remember Douglas Wilder, who was the first uh, African-American governor of Virginia... Uh, and if you remember Douglas Wilder and his platform, he kind of predated or showed the way for Bill Clinton and the what was then the DLC Democrats, um, the Democratic Leadership Conference, where after Mondale and Dukakis in the 80s, the, the Democrats were like, oh, my God, we've gone too far left. And so they went more centrist and the like, some would say corporatists, and that's a, that's a fair criticism of some of the politicians of that time, such as Bill Clinton, especially if you're you know, a liberal, not necessarily even a progressive. So that's kind of what Terry McAuliffe, who was t in the Clinton camp and helped with the, those, those victories, and he was governor of Virginia um, until very recently for two terms, and they've kind of set the groundwork for this, for, for that kind of middle-of-the-road, moderate, establishment, democratic, government is good, and here's how you can use it and not bankrupt the, the country, you know, bankrupt your state and tax people to death. And All right. 
that's so, kind of where Virginia is. So they they now control the 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 government top to bottom in Virginia. No no kind of surprise. I'm not. My personal opinion is that that is where, and this kind of gets into you know ahead in some other segments. That is a model that the Democrats could use across a lot of states, including the Midwest, the South, and everything else. I don't think they're going to, but they could. So what you're basically saying then is Virginia uh, statewide in their legislature is all Democratic. Yes, plus all the all the statewide, you know, attorney general, treasurer, governor, so on. They're all Democrats. So when the census comes up and they do redistricting, a.k.a. gerrymandering, I mean, both sides do it, they're going to, I mean, the state's just going to become more blue. So it's just going to, the, the Republicans are out of Virginia. They're out of power in Virginia for at least um, half a generation, if not a generation. The same way the Democrats were swept out of the, the state level in, in Texas for well, about a generation. That's going to make the um, presidential 2020 elections interesting. Yes. It's going to make it very interesting. I I do not, uh, unless turnout is suppressed tremendously, whether through legal or illegal means, I don't see how um, Trump is going to win Virginia. I just don't. Because you look at the, it's just, I, I just don't see how that's going to, going to happen. Because there's so, it's, it's beyond the suburbs and some of the larger metro areas as far as, and their suburbs as well. Again, the, the Republicans have a suburb problem. So I, I just don't see how, how the Republicans win Virginia. And I don't think they're counting on it at the presidential level anyway. Well, there were some interesting uh, 2019 election results. So we'll have to see what happens in 2020. Listen to This and That on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other major podcast apps and services. The, we haven't talked about the 2020 Democratic primary in a while, and that's been by design, folks, by yours truly, David, here. And that's because it's, it's first of all, um, tell us at this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com, are you still watching the Democratic debates? Do they matter? Are they relevant? Because the last debate I saw kind of just turned into a food fight. And I would say, and it was three hours long. It was just way too long. And it turned into a food fight. Well, they have been what I would not term as debates. And I think food fight is a pretty good description. Right. And, and there's one thing about, you know, showing contrast and showing that you're tough and, um, you know, not pretending that you're friends with these folks. And there's another thing in just, you know, going, and so's your old man. And it's just food fight style. You don't learn anything with that. It's just, it's just silly. But I think the debates still matter. Um, it's just that there's just too many people in the, um, in the running for the position. And so it makes it kind of difficult to figure out who's the person that you need to get behind. Well, and, this, and the weird thing is people dropped out, so they were pairing back, but then more people got in. 
Exactly. <laughs> so why did we'll all these other people, namely Deval Patrick, uh, Mike, is it Mike Bloomberg? Yeah, Mike Bloomberg or Michael Bloomberg, however you and then, former mayor of New York. And then the mayor. possibility of Hillary Clinton. She's still lurking. She's still lurking, and she has her surrogates on all the different networks talking about how they were here with her at this dinner or whatever, and she hasn't ruled anything out and all this other stuff. And, and she, they, so she's seriously lurking because otherwise she would not have her surrogate. These people are not coming on TV saying this stuff just because they feel like it. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to, like... Um, <laughs> so why? No, I'm going to ask you a question that's going to kind of take us away from where we're going but we'll get back on track. Okay. Is Hillary doing a um Trump in Saturday Night Live? What does that even mean? Remember the skit where he was kind of lurking behind her? Oh. <laughs> yeah, the parody of what he did at the, deb the debate where he was a Supposedly lurking exactly. behind her in the debate. So is is that what Hillary's doing? I guess yeah, something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, getting back onto the topic, she also might is still considering um, throwing her hat in the ring Believe for the, not, the nomination. Yes. yes. So again, why are all these people? Throwing their names in the ring at such a late date. Because Joe Biden was supposed to be the guy. And, you know, he's, he was the former, well, is the former vice president of Barack Obama. And um, he, he was supposed to be the guy, the establishment's choice, the person who was a safe choice to beat Trump. All these, you know, uh, Rust Belt states and, and Heartland states, the battleground states, so Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, so on, would vote for, for him because people would just be, you know, waiting for... This is the, the Democrats, the way they... they you know, my kind of caricature of, of how they see the world. The, the voters are waiting for a savior to come, and it's not happening in the Republican Party um, so Joe Biden was the guy, he was gonna, the Democrats were gonna rally behind him, whether they were in love with him or not, they were gonna rally behind him because they want to beat Trump so badly, and then you have all these other folks who don't want to vote for Trump, they would vote for Joe Biden. And they're seeing in the debates where Joe Biden has had to be kind, let's say, just stumbles. His debate performance, I think people expected... If you saw his debate against Paul Ryan in 2012, where he essentially, um, there was a, there, if we take a cartoon analogy, I think it was a Tom and Jerry cartoon, where it was like the dog kind of picked up Tom and just used Tom as a dust mop, and then slid him across the floor, out the way. That's kind of what Biden did with Paul Ryan in their debate. I mean, now, you know millennials, the millennial, they have millennial no idea. They can, they can find have no Tom and Jerry. no idea what Tom and Jerry is. Tom so and Jerry was a cartoon. Tom and Jerry is an award-winning cartoon from really the 1950s, I think. And most of them are silent. 
and um, it, it's an excellent, excellent cartoon. Now, so, who's Tom and who's Jerry? Well, Tom is the cat because it's Tom Cat and Jerry's the mouse. Okay. And they have like a love-hate relationship. And just watch the cartoon. I'm sure you can find it for free online. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere. I'm sure if nothing else, it's on um, YouTube. Yes. So there's right. probably some kind of herby, furby, kind of weirdo cartoon thing that would make an analogy, but I don't watch those, the, the newer cartoons. All right. So um, basically, but that's what people Biden thought has Biden stumbled. Yeah. And, and it's not just in the debates and it's not just in his speeches. I mean, he only has 10 million bucks in the bank. And that is just like nothing. When you compare it to his other main rivals, it's nothing. When you compare it to the hundred something million dollars that the Trump campaign has, I mean, it's really nothing. And the RNC has a couple hundred million dollars. And then all the Republican super PACs, when they gear up with third parties, they're going to have their tons of money. So he's hurting. And, that, and people, he's having problems raising money in part because people are like, eh, Am I gonna, why should I give you money? Because that might be like bad, wasted money. And that's coupled with the, the rise of Elizabeth Warren. And Elizabeth Warren is scaring, you know, the bejesus out of the party um, regulars, the, the Democratic establishment, um, the, the Democrats in Wall Street, and the like. She's scaring bejesus out of them with her programs now she has a program or a plan for everything yes but the ones that are scaring them is, is the you know quote-unquote medicare for all which you know we could discuss another day all these medicare for all plans folks um they're not medicare if you know anything about medicare a b whatever these folks are calling it medicare but they're they're just re they're just taking that name because a lot of everybody with Medicare likes Medicare, but they are all they they would alter Medicare as part of their Medicare for all plans, and they're all very very expensive. Bernie Sanders, to his credit, is very upfront and honest about how much his stuff is cost going to cost. Elizabeth Warren, not so much, and so they're scared of her Medicare for all plan because it's like, how is it going to be paid for? And she's come up with all these kind of draconian ways to pay for that. And that's what's uh, upsetting them because they see that. As, and then when they look at her other plans for the banking sector and everything else, they see her as fundamentally changing, wanting to change American capitalism and not for the good. And then her wealth tax was kind of like the final straw. And she's gone full tilt now with an ad calling out folks. And, and all these, if you've seen her ad, all the billionaires in that in that ad, I'm pretty sure all of them are Democrats. Lord, Lord, blank. And so it's kind of it's kind of interesting that way. So what about Bernie? Um, Bernie, they're not worried about Bernie. <laughs> they really aren't because she's cannibalizing his votes. He's been energized by AOC, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, come, uh, endorsing him and everything else, and that's reinvigorated his campaign. But the powers that be in the Democrat Party aren't really. They're not worried about Bernie. Now, what about the the all the other 30-something people that are... <laughs> it's not 30-something. I think, think it's still... It may be 17. It may be back to 20 now with Duvall. I, I try not to count. The ones that matter are the ones that we've named, you know, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, 
because he has he has a legit Iowa um, campaign apparatus. He's been he's pretty much living in Iowa, going around on his bus, meeting people and everything else, doing the things you have to do to win the Iowa caucus because Iowa is not a primary; it's a caucus. And that's where people get together for hours and hours on a very cold night usually uh, when that runs and hash out who they want the nominee to be. And it's, it's very draconian. I'm not even going to try and explain how, how all that works. But it's not a normal just go and vote for somebody kind of thing. Anybody else we should be on the lookout? Um, no. The new people coming in, uh, Deval Patrick, uh, former governor of of Massachusetts, two term governor, uh, African American, grew up south side Chicago, uh, which a lot of people mistakenly think Obama grew up in Chicago when he didn't, but that's another story. And uh, he's a hedge fund guy, and he's jumping in for all the reasons we just mentioned. Michael Bloomberg, who was a three term mayor of New York, they actually and changed he, the rules. And he has to make a lot of money. He he has fifty six billion dollars. Yeah, I mean, sure. that's real money. Deval Patrick is, you know, a multimillionaire, so he's got like hundreds of millions of dollars. I, I don't think he's a billionaire. But, but Michael Bloomberg is a legit billionaire, and he's a smart guy. Uh, he pretty, the way the financial services industry works today off of data and everything else and computers, he built that. He dreamed up, built it. There are companies with his name on them, and that's and the reason there's why. There's the um, news... Yes, outlet. the outlet. But I don't think he owns those because I think he divested But he all did. Those. Yeah, I think he's, he still gets money through a blind trust, I believe, but he, he doesn't have controlling interest in those anymore. But um, he's a smart guy. He's a data-driven person. So, and he has his, he's been doing things for Democratic causes now for at least four to six years, from climate change to, you know, anti-smoking to you, you name it trying to come up with uh, greener technologies, not the Green New Deal, but greener technologies and the like. So he has a, he has a, a, a groundwork and a following and everything else. And, and he probably has, he has his own polling outlet, so they probably have internal numbers. My thing on Bloomberg, my, I believe he thinks that um, he essentially believes he can kind of straddle in between Joe Biden and Buttigieg, who are kind of like the, the moderate centrist, and Elizabeth Warren. He could come in between them. I think that's what his thinking is, and and get a constituency that way and, you know, win the nomination. Well, it's going to be interesting to see if any other folks decide to jump in the race at this late date or if folks will bow out gracefully, and we get a Democratic nominee for um, president and for 2020. People are not going to bow out gracefully. But at, at the end of the day, all this is kind of amusing to me a little bit because you, you, if, if you're in the Democratic presidential primary, you cannot become the nominee unless you have a, at the very least, strong plurality, if not a majority, of African-American voters behind you. And the only person in the race who has that right now is Joe Biden. So as, as flawed as Biden is right now, and I don't think he's going to win Iowa. I never thought he was going to win Iowa. He just, he's never won it in the past, so why is he going to win it now? He's the same guy. 
Um, same believes the same things. They didn't like him then. They're not going to like him now. Uh, he's not going to win New Hampshire because you got Bernie and Elizabeth Warren and other people now Deval Patrick and 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 the like. And also New Hampshire's too independent. They're going to see him as as too establishment. So he's not going to win that. Um, he's waiting on South Carolina, where and have you know majority of black folks behind him to win that. And he may win South Carolina and maybe some other Super Tuesday states. But the Nevada caucus, that's a caucus as well. You got Hispanics, you've got um, unions as well out there, and a whole bunch of other things. He has a shot, he being Biden has a shot with that. So it's going to be, this may be one of those years like 1968 where it becomes, you know, an ugly floor fight or something like that. Man, well, I don't think there'll be riots in the street like 68 over the Democratic convention, but it could be an ugly convention. Do you think Senator Harris is out? She's out. She she had a shot, but she didn't capitalize it. And she's been, she's basically gone all in in a couple of different places um, and, and the like. And, that, and that's about it. She's trimmed back her staff. It's, it, it's not looking good for her, her campaign. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, everybody make sure you stay informed. And whether you want to, um, whether you might not be watching the debates, go back to watching them at least for a little bit so that you can be informed and know how you will, would like to vote. I, I would say read. Well, that You're too. not going to get those hours back watching these, the quote-unquote debates. Especially, I mean, the next one coming well, up. Well, I think you need to watch a little bit of it. You may not watch the full three hours. But maybe watch like the first 30 minutes or so. And then, like you said, read. Stay informed. Comments? Send your feedback to thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. Well, Brenda, that's another episode. And you got to talk your one of your favorite topics. Politics. politics. Yeah. Yes, in all sorts of various forms, this is true. So, no wonder why you're sitting here smiling. <laughs> Until the next time, folks. All the best. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com Music by Poddington Bear Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising, please email us at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. All rights reserved. Thank you and all the best.